0: What's up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to episode number 38 of the Spun Today podcast. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz. Thank you in advance. Thank you very much for listening. Welcome to the kickoff 2016 write episode of the podcast. It's uh, another free writing episode, and I hope you guys like it. And if you don't, the problem is definitely with you. So, Get your situation checked out. Give it up for your boy Leonardo DiCaprio who finally won a fucking Oscar. That's crazy. I thought he's such a he's a really dope actor. I thought uh uh definitely has a, a ton of mem- memorable roles and I had you know, I I don't really like follow that stuff too closely, like awards and like stuff like that. Um But when I heard that he didn't get an Oscar, which is like, I guess like the, uh, I think an Oscar is the same as an Academy Award, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, But there's another one also, like an Emmy or something like that. Like, you know, big, big time awards for actors. Um, I think one is for movies and one is for TV shows, I think. Or one is like the best one that you can get and the other is like the second best. I don't know. Um, But they are like the cream of the crop. Um, awards that actors can get And I just assumed that You know, the DiCaprio had like a fucking garage full of them And When he was nominated for The Revenant Which I saw Which was a dope movie Um, really enjoyed it Um, you know who had a, a, a crazy role in that? Uh, Tom Hardy I thought Tom Hardy's, uh, character was Was so sick He, he plays it so well um, and he plays that like style of role like really well, like a disturbed, weird dude or whatever. I was speaking about that um, with my boy. Though, while we were watching it, and and uh, I definitely agree with that. Um, but yeah, back to Leo. Uh, I was like surprised that he hadn't like received anything. And uh, in the past, and um, uh, definitely congrats to him, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. You have a, an open invitation to come on the sponsor podcast and tell us about your, your acting experiences and the road that led you to this Oscar. <laughs>
1: Excuse
0: me. I'm fucking getting over a cold. So I apologize for uh, those coughs and shit that, that uh, I'm probably going to be unavoidable in this episode. What else? Tom Segura has a, has a very funny new... Uh, stand-up special it's on netflix uh you guys can check it out it's uh called mostly stories he has this is his second uh hour special on netflix and um this last one was really really funny i enjoyed it a lot so with my fiance yesterday or no day before day before yesterday and it was funny i definitely recommend it so you guys should check that out what else have I been up to? Uh that new season of serial started. Um for those of you uh that may not remember, or those of you that don't know, the uh serial was one of the first season of serial uh podcast which was one of the most popular, if not the most popular podcast ever. I think it had over eleven or fifteen million downloads uh season one. And it was Supposedly it's going to be like adopted for like a movie and it was optioned for a book and had a very large, uh, very, very large uh, commercial following. And Sarah Koenig, the the, uh, host of it, the host of it, um, I guess she's a host, right? Um, The journalist, investigative journalist um, that put the show together. It did a phenomenal job, and uh, it's pretty much a story told week after week, now bi-weekly, which sucks, um, but week after week, and one story that's told uh, week after week, basically, serially, and hence the name of the show. Season two came out. The first season was about a murder that took place in 1999 of a high school kid that was or is serving a life in prison for the murder of his ex-girlfriend at the time and, uh, the alleged murder. And, um, it's a huge controversy of if he did it, if he didn't do it and and stuff like that. The second season is about a, uh, what was he? He was in the army, a soldier that disappeared uh, pretty much abandoned his post, um, as we're learning, and um, he had ulterior uh, motives for it. Uh, for doing so, he wanted to like bring attention to to the way his platoon was being run by his superiors. But you know that he, you know, he was just like a private, and nobody's gonna listen to him in that um, structure, that hierarchy of of how the military is broken. Broken or set up rather. So his idea was to create something called a dust one, which was to like disappear. And then if it's done in a certain fashion or something like that, they, a different branches of government have to get involved. Um, by that's like the protocol It's not just, you know, a certain group of guys from the army, go look for him, you know, the army, the Navy, the Marines, the, everybody has to get involved in different branches and, and, um, Uh, create a a big fuss basically anyway he wound up becoming a prisoner of war for like over five years and now there's this big controversy of um, when he was released if you know a lot of people think he's you know a a traitor and and, you know people died you know looking for him and uh, people were hurt and at the end of the day he abandoned his post and you know he was being brought up on charges of treason and stuff like that and then you know his side of the story is he's he was uh, just attempting to bring to the attention um the poor way that his platoon was being ran et cetera et cetera um and that's pretty much the the just the story so you're going like back and forth, and you know he was a prisoner of war. And I feel it's only been, I think, like three or four weeks now. Um they're switching the format to a bi weekly format, similar to the Sponsor Day podcast. Maybe they listen to this one and, and uh I think it's a good idea. Um But I I just think that they're I don't know. The story feels like it's dragging. It's not as compelling as the first season, which, you know, it's tough for for a sequel, if you will, to surpass or match the the, I don't know, energy and emphasis and, and and type of following that an original has, like the the first movie or, or whatever, you know. So it's the same kind of thing in this situation, I think. So expectations were probably a little too high. It's a good story. You know, Sarah Koenig is still doing an amazing job and the rest of the team, they're over at Serial of, of telling and disseminating the story. Um, I guess it's just not not as sexy as murder porn as um uh south park was it and, and i don't know i'm just not that into this particular story it's good i listened to it um but you know it's not not great speaking of murder porn have you guys seen on netflix also netflix, net blah, netflix is doing amazing uh, putting out like really really great content um, Have you guys seen A 10 part 10 episode documentary So it's 10 hours Of a show called Making a Murderer That shit was sick I think I saw I saw All 10 hours with my fiance In like two and a half days We saw the whole thing Binge watched it That option is just amazing um to do so you know you get something you know kind of like out of the way quick but you get fucking enough enough of it you know you get sick of the shit um but you get all of it that you want when you want it which is cool and you have the option that if you know if you want is the best of both, best of both worlds because you have the option also to, you know, string it along, you know, week by week if you choose to and just play one episode a week. Or
2: We're here in New York.
0: What the fuck? Sorry about that, guys. I have something uh, queued up here on my computer. My computer's acting up and uh, just started playing it out of fucking nowhere. And I apologize for that. It was just a little bit. But you guys all hear what it is when the time comes. In a couple minutes, uh, but yeah, back to uh, the show. So it's a uh, about a well. First, spoiler alert, by the way, if you guys haven't seen it, uh, cut this off or skip forward, you know, a few minutes, and um, I won't like spoil anything for you. It's a show about a. It's a documentary. So it's a it's a true story of a man in Wisconsin that was wrongly convicted of a rape and he served he served he was in prison for 18 years before dna evidence brought to light that he was wrongly accused and convicted so he was in jail for 18 years basically um always uh, maintaining his innocence and it turns out that it's true he didn't fucking do it so they let him out of jail and he comes from this family that small town in wisconsin and um this family that's like the i don't know the the stigmatized family of the neighborhood and uh you know the way it was framed in the documentary his family has that, that stigma in the neighborhood, and, you know, it's like the, you know, the kids are, you know, no good, and they're not, they're never going to be any good, and blah, 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 and, like, that type of, they're painted in that way, basically, and so he gets out of prison after 18 years, and he, you know, It's a lawsuit against uh, Manitowoc, I believe is the correct pronunciation, uh, county that wrongfully arrested him and and pretty much fucked up his life and locked him up for 18 years. So I think it was going to be uh, a few, uh, like tens of millions of of dollars and um, fuck, excuse me, guys. like tens of millions of dollars, I don't remember how much exactly it was. But long story short, he then gets arrested for the murder of a woman that he and his nephew allegedly uh, assisted him in committing on his property. And it was pretty much investigated by like a couple of the same police officers which were like, low-ranking police officers at the time of his first arrest, and now, you know, one's a lieutenant, one's, you know, they're higher ranking in the police force, they were involved in it, the, (coughs) the, um, they made it seem in the documentary that they have it, like, the county and the people of the county, especially the police precinct, like, they had it out for this guy and his family, and... Uh, There's this whole huge controversy of, you know, them planning evidence. Um, Basically, the bones of this woman were found in his um, remains of of the deceased were found on his property. But it's a huge property of many acres. It's like a car junkyard. And they were, you know, a few fragments of bone were found on his property the rest of it was never uncovered her car was found like at a far away end um on his property she was uh, there earlier in the day and nobody has seen her since um and uh, a lot of stuff like pointing towards this guy um then they have this confession from the nephew who's uh for lack of a better term like half retarded this kid is um you know it's a little 16 15 year old kid in high school that he's literally slow and he's a kid he's fucking retarded like any any little kid and the cops and they show you this in the documentary they pretty much coerce him into confessing to a murder that he I don't know to me it doesn't seem like he he was involved or he did it I think that he's just trying to appease the police officers and they keep asking him questions and saying, are you sure that's the truth? Tell me the truth, come on, tell me. Did you see so-and-so? And And he's like, no, I didn't. And then like, are you sure? Okay, yes, I did. And like, just a lot of shit like that, like back to back to back, and then they string along, from like three hours, they string along a fucking confession from the kid that went from, you know, he just went to school and went home and played video games, to I went to school, I came home, I went to my uncle's next door, and he had a woman tied up to the bed and we slit her throat and he made me fuck her and and all types of crazy shit like that. Um meanwhile there was like no blood or DNA evidence inside the crib anywhere, inside the house, and um but meanwhile you know, they slit her throat. So it was like invincible blood, I guess, or some shit. Then his blood was found in her car, uh, which was a whole nother controversy and they from the original arrest 18 years ago they had a vial of his blood in the precinct and then they looked up the evidence from that from that uh they looked up the the blood vial from that time and there was a syringe that was inserted allegedly and the blood was tampered with basically and some some of it was extracted it seemed like and maybe that's the blood that the Cops from the police precinct used to put into her car and I I don't know. It was just like a whole bunch of shit back and forth. And then there's articles after the fact, after after the show, um, since it got so much steam of the prosecutor that put out statements stating that the uh, documentary was biased and they didn't mention a lot of other shit like the fact that Stephen Avery was like calling this girl blocked. Um, and re- requesting the company that sent her to his property to take pictures of a car that were, they were selling, um, requesting her specifically. And that when she got there, he, he greeted her at the door like in, you know, he was naked, just wearing a towel. And he was like inappropriate with her and stuff like that. And they left uh, stuff like that out of it. But then the defense attorneys came back in articles stating that, um, that was, um, that those that evidence wasn't even admissible into the case so that's why the documentary didn't even show it and um as well as the fact that it wasn't just blood then on the other side it wasn't just blood supposedly that was found in the car they also found his dna under the hood of the car um which wasn't spoken about and again that i think that was the piece of evidence that was inadmissible um for whatever reason And, um, um, yeah, you know, both sides argue their sides like they're supposed to, but the sick thing to me is that in a case like this, and, you know, I'm not saying the, the guy's innocent or guilty, who the fuck knows, uh, maybe he did do it, maybe he didn't, I you know, when seeing it, I honestly don't think that he did, I definitely don't think the kid had anything to do with it, he was just fucking got caught up in this, yo, this kid he calls his mother after the whole thing after he's arrested after he confesses to like slicing this lady's throat and stuff like that and he speaks to her he's like in jail for a night or two i think already at this point calls his mother and tells her um you know they made me say it i don't know they got into my head i don't know why it's told that stuff uh, i didn't see anything and then like he ends the phone call with telling his mom um do you think i'll be home by Friday? and his mom was like by friday why what do you i don't know what do you what do you mean friday he was like i don't want to miss wrestlemania it's like god damn are you serious this kid is like so in over his head man it's fucking sad and probably spending the rest of his fucking life in prison um and it's been years already too um what else i'm looking at my sticker right now which says no um and no and and i keep saying "um" and end so instead I'm just gonna pause silently every time I feel like saying I'm an end. So if you guys hear uh, breaks in the episode, it's me trying to catch myself and uh giving you guys dead air instead. Like that's a good trade-off. Anyway. So my I don't know, thing, I guess, is with this is that the whole like underlying uh What's the word I'm looking for? A theme or, or or purpose of the legal system in cases like this, is, and or having a jury rather is to give people, you know, a fair chance. Obviously, to to or a chance—not necessarily fair, but a chance to speak your side of the story and and of what happened, right, through your attorneys and all the... ins and outs and theatrics of the legal system. But the point is that the jury in turn is supposed to be the impartial jury is supposed to, um, what's the saying? You're innocent until proven guilty, uh, beyond a reasonable doubt, which is <clears throat> like the main thing that I, that I'm holding onto here, which is there's reasonable doubt riddled throughout, whether you, You're not sure if he did it. You're not sure if he did. But there's absolutely, unequivocally, without a fucking doubt, reasonable doubt sprinkled throughout this entire fucking case. And for the point that the – just look at that one point. The prosecution says the way she died was that she got her throat slit when she was tied up to a bed. And that slicing of the throat didn't kill her. Um, So the nephew, who was being instructed by the uncle, um, Steve Avery, uh, choked her to death. And that's how she died. Then they dragged her outside and burned her and chopped her up and whatever. And that's where the bones uh, come come to the mix. There was not one speck of not only blood. Because if I fucking get a paper cut, I get blood all over the place. Supposedly they slit her fucking throat. There was not an ounce of not only blood anywhere but any of her DNA anywhere in the house or any of the fucking kid, the nephew of his DNA anywhere inside the house. So that in and of itself is reasonable doubt. Like that's doubt. Like I doubt that story because none of this stuff that's supposed to be there is there. So that's reasonable doubt. So you can't fucking throw somebody in prison. I think mm-hmm. in light of that. And uh, I get, maybe I'm breaking it down like two black and white or I'm missing something, but I don't know. To me, that's reasonable doubt. So, by the power that the legal system bestows to me by making me an impartial, you know, making me a juror, they can't make me impartial, but making me a juror, my job in that in that um, predicament, my my purpose is to carry out beyond reasonable doubt verdicts and verdicts that are not beyond reasonable doubt and if there's reasonable doubt one falls in one category and if there's absolutely no reasonable doubt it falls in the other category and I don't know I just don't think that that's that's what's being done in certain cases like this one anyway check out the the documentary it's really good and um Let me know what you guys think Anyway what else Um So I saw the uh President Obama's last Uh What's it called Um uh, State of the Union Address Uh Which I I liked I thought it was good I thought you know, I was speaking with my brother And he was like Damn I miss Obama already I did too Um there were a lot, a lot of letdowns uh, with this presidency, uh, I guess, just because our, our hopes were, like, way too high, bought into way too much of the, of the political, you know, campaign rhetorics, um, which weren't possible to live up to, right? But we're definitely better off, I feel, than we were before, and we're kind of pointed in the right direction. Which makes this next election that much more crucial to see if we're just gonna take steps back or continue going in that in that direction. Not that it's necessarily just one direction, but in that the general positive direction. Um, two, three of the most important things that I feel he said that I thought were amazing were the fact that he hinted at modernizing the voting system, um, which would mean, you know, modernizing it, in my opinion, would mean, you know, making voting more accessible to people and bringing it up to standards of of the way people are living now, which means moving voting to online. And people feel that there's, (coughs) people have mentioned this in the past, and people feel that there's too much possibility for hacking and and scrutiny and stuff like that. But we do everything and anything else online. Everybody does. Um, Rogan <clears throat> Rogan says this all the time on his podcast. You know, we do all our banking online, all our fucking investing online, all our we do our fucking taxes online, we pull our credit online, stuff like that. So you could fucking vote online because all that other stuff is on a personal level much more sensitive than voting. Um, so he answered that, which was amazing, um, gerrymandering, uh, which is the pretty much the elected officials have the right to redraw their, their districts, um, or have influence on the redrawing of their districts, meaning that they can say, all right, um, these people vote for me that live, you know, within these, uh, boundaries, those people don't vote for me. So, you know what? I'm going to redraw the district, draw them out of my district so I can definitely win my district and the people that don't vote for me, draw them out and the people that do draw them in and stuff like that. Um, It's much more like political maneuvering and like shit like that, that goes on with that type of process. And it's done not, you know, whenever they want, but every certain amount of years and but it's something that's very self-serving and they should not have the ability to do so, which I agree with and that's something else that he hinted at and most importantly the best and i was just like in awe when he did say it i was like wait is he leading up to say this is he leading up to say it and i was like nah president won't fucking say it he spoke about taking money out of politics um probably the first pre- i don't know if i don't know if he's the first president to say it but he said it and it's the first president i've ever heard say it um and the influence that that politics the stranglehold that that money has on politics is blatant and deliberate and you you guys should definitely check out a book. I mentioned it before called Republic Lost by Lawrence Lessig, who was actually a, a presidential, not contender, but you know he threw his hat in the race and um, he had some support behind him. But Lawrence Lessig is a professor and wrote an awesome book called Republic Lost, all about taking money out of politics and gives examples of it, of why it's so bad and, and the influence that we don't even notice but that it definitely has even on the judicial system and probably even cases like um like the one I was speaking about before from the documentary and uh the way that lobbyists influence and coerce legislation to be in their favor and politicians that would support legislation that would make them benefit. A prime example, and this is a, a I guess quote unquote famous example, but it's definitely not the only one, and it's not like an anecdotal like weird little example. It's like it's everywhere. It's full blown. It's like a hundred percent. It's a fucking plutocracy. Like. W- special interests run politics like they were like puppet masters over politicians <clears> that Frank, which was a set of, of laws and, and uh, regulations rather put into place after the financial collapse to, you know, rein in the rampant lying and cheating and, 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 and just downright like, theory of, of Wall Street and th- everything that led up to the economic collapse which I've spoken about in the past year uh, the Dodd-Frank um, regulations were put into place to rein all that type of shit in <clears throat> literally I, th- I think it's uh, it was said to be like an 80, 80 page document or 85 page document and 70 I think it was 70 or 75 pages of let's say let's let's give them the better, full benefit of the doubt let's say it was 85 pages and 70 of those pages were literally written by city like city city bank um city recommended when the you know they they have seats at the table for this type of shit they recommended these were their recommendations to the politicians of of what these regulations should look like. The regulations that are going to re- ultimately regulate them. City in like word for fucking word. 70 pages of the 85 page document that made up that dot frank uh, Some of which was slightly reworded. But all 70 pages are in dot frank That's like so despicably disgusting. and And blatant and like... just amazing how that's possible like it literally it's literally sounds like unbelievable like no that that has to be bullshit look it up please look it up and look up the efforts of like wolf-pack.com which is a big initiative from uh jen gunger and the from the young turks of getting money out of politics and lawrence lessig's Uh, The Citizens' Equality Act, which is, um, again, uh, another big uh, proponent of this same thought and sentiment of getting money out of politics because it's, you know... And definitely check out the book, um, like I said, The Republic Lost. I'll put a link in the episode notes for you guys Um, for easy access. Republic Lost by Lawrence Lessig. He speaks about uh, very eloquently and very detailed and very... um, uh, digestibly, How getting money out of politics Would you know What that would translate into In today's modern society You know it's not just a An ethereal type of You know Dream or thought Or something that's impossible And maybe sounds good uh, In theory or on paper But um, He gives a lot of real life Practical applications of that That concept Um And you guys should definitely check it out. Now, within that same vein, something that I very quickly want to bring up and mention about uh, a couple of the candidates that we have, which will most likely be um, one of these two, most likely Hillary, will be the next president of the United States and absolutely, definitely the Democratic nominee. <clears throat> but Bernie Sanders or and uh Hillary Clinton. And something I was just I was thinking about, then I looked it up. They and it's not to be funny or sound like a dick or anything like that, but presidents age at a very rapid rate, like two to three years for every for a normal human being's fucking um the amount that they age, while, you know, with all the stress and shit that they have to deal with, you know, it's more than understandable. But Bernie Sanders is going to be fucking 75 years old when he goes into office, and Hillary will be 69. And something to really strongly consider and keep in mind, because it's a very, very realistic um, chance, unfortunately, that one of these motherfuckers die in office. like i'm not i know i don't know that sounds kind of douchey but i'm really not trying to be funny so i haven't i have no idea i I guess i I should do some some more looking up but who they're who's on the short list of their possible running mates because it's very likely that that you know two three four years into their presidency whoever whoever wins this thing they're uh, Vice president is going to be the one running the show. And that's something definitely to consider. Hillary's going to be fucking 69 years old. And Bernie's going to be 75. The oldest president uh, in office elected was... I looked this up before. It was either Reagan or Nixon. One of the 2 Let's see if I find this here real quick. <clears throat> and uh, before that, they were all... They were, you know, they're all uh, presidents usually, like, in their early 60s, 50s, you know, late 40s, early 50s, 50s. mid-50s. Clinton was, like, 47. Obama was in his late 40s also. Um, The Bushes were in their 50s. And, yo, it's a lot. It's a lot. Fucking 75 years old is really a lot. You know, Bernie's going to be, like, 102, you know, by the end of his first term. And it's fucking... Uh, that shit's not cool. So we, I think we definitely have to take a look at who their running mates are. As, like, strong, as, like, not as in just in case anything happens. Like, when Hillary croaks in office, her running mate will be the president of the United States. You know, whether it's two years in, three years in, whatever the case is. So let me see what that person's about. If I want to vote for Hillary, let me know and be very cognizant of the fact that a vote for Hillary is not in the possible sense like it normally is. Um, You know, Biden might be president or whatever, but everybody knew he wasn't, you know, Obama wasn't going anywhere. But with Hillary or Bernie, it's like most likely something's going to happen to one of you two. So, I really have to put stock in who your running mates are. But yeah, that's all I had to say about that. Now, to lighten things up a bit, and Uh, To reference the clip that I mentioned before that started fucking playing out of nowhere. I have a clip of, it's on YouTube again, the uh, link for it's going to be in the episode notes. If you guys want to check out the full clip, I'm going to play a couple minutes of it because it's fucking hilarious. I heard it on Rogan's podcast that he had recently with Tom Segura and they played a, a snippet of it. I wanted to play a little longer version for you guys because uh, it's hilarious, but you guys should definitely watch it, watch the actual video, because it's uh, two guys, one called James Adomian, Addo- and the other is Anthony Atamanuik, Um, doing impressions of uh, debate between Trump and Bernie Sanders, and it's fucking hilarious, I'm going to play some of it for you guys right now, enjoy.
2: We're here in New York for the intramural 2016 bipartisan debate, Donald Trump versus Bernie Sanders. My fellow Americans, I am running for president so that in the unlikely event that I am elected to office and there's not an immediate military coup d'etat to take me out of power, this country will engage in an unprecedented revolution politically to take on the billionaire class. Because in a society where the top 1% of the top 10% of the top 1% of the top 10% of the top 1% of the top 10%, for those of you not tracking it, that's .0000001 of the top 1%.
1: This is a great country. This is a great country. This is a fun place. And I promise, I'm killing everyone in the polls. I can guarantee you this. I'm killing everyone in the polls. And if I'm elected president, I will kill everyone. I promise you that. I can promise you that. Here's some facts, okay? The minute I become president, we'll start the Anchor Baby program, where we start bronzing Mexican immigrants and putting them on naval ships so that they're put to use finally. I'm just saying, bronze them and make it a real thing. No, It's no longer an offensive metaphor.
2: Now, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Barney, you look like you're running for president of The Muppet Show. That's fair. That's valid. People have said that I look like I was forcibly held down in a cotton candy machine. That is true. But it happened while it was simultaneously being struck by lightning, <laughs> giving me a rare superpower, where I am simultaneously completely bald and I have more hair than anyone else running to <laughs> Nearly impossible. Together, we can- could-
1: I have the biggest family, I have the best family. My family, there's not one loser among them, and if there were, we'd drown them in a sack in the Hudson River. <laughs> and I can tell you this, I can tell, I promise, I'll promise you this right now. There's a reason I named my daughter Ivanica, because I want to fuck her. And I promise you this now. Family, you want to keep family tight? Well, my family's the tightest, specifically my daughter. I bred her to be so tight, and when I marry her, I marry my daughter is what I'm saying. I marry my daughter.
2: I believe, I firmly believe that the country needs a figurehead like me as president. When I have time with my wife, we go up to Lake Champlain, we put on a Grateful Dead album, and just... <laughs> we have it sail out off, off the speakers over the lake, right off the photograph, and we just, we sit in a little sloop together, and we read each other statistics from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. <laughs> back and forth.
1: My vacations involve hunting stray blood diamond diggers. I go, <laughs> I go to Africa, my whole family, we get elephant rifles and we hunt human beings. And what we do is we reenact the euthanizing of Eleanor Roosevelt, which didn't happen. It didn't happen. My question for Mr. Trump, what the billionaire
2: class controls... of all of the money of equaling 10 trillion dollars, while the American working class people have one-fourth of one job for each person. How can you sleep at night knowing that so many other people haven't got their chance? (laughs)
0: that shit is hilarious guys. you guys have to check it out check out the rest of it the link for it will be in the episode notes which you guys can you know if you click the more button or view full description on itunes on uh, your little uh, podcast app there or uh on stitcher uh the full episode notes uh, description uh is there or You can check it out on my website at spuntoday.com forward slash podcast, forward slash 038, which is the number of the episode, and everything will be there as well. If you guys want to check it out on the computer or whatever. So that said, I have three free writing pieces of my own that I want to share with you guys. And before I do, three pieces from Zen Flesh. Zen Bones. Actually, you know what? Let me do it the other way around this time. I'm going to read my three free writing pieces, and then I'm going to read to you guys if... see. We got 40 minutes into this thing. Um, I'm going to read for you guys uh, three pieces also from Zen Flesh, Zen Bones, which is the book that I'm currently reading, like I told you guys before. And uh, I'm going to share that with you guys, uh, three different pieces that resonated with me. But I'm going to begin with some of my free writing oh man my computer's acting up so fucking much guys i apologize i have all this stuff like queued up so i don't have to like pause too much or or like pause the recording and shit or you know have this uh dead air and stuff but Shit happens in the meantime. My you can read along with any and all of my free writing at not all of it, but all that is on the website at spunte.com forward slash free writing. And like I mentioned to you guys last week, I published self published my first book, which is currently available in all ebook formats and free if you have a if you're part of the Kindle Unlimited uh, subscription. And you can check that out on Amazon. The name of the book is Make Way For You, subtitled Tips for Getting Out of Your Own Way. And it's pretty much a collection of certain uh, pieces of free writing, such as the ones that I'm about to read to you guys right now, that have a through line of motivation and inspiration. And it's pretty much a collection of the shit that I came up with to pretty much motivate myself to get myself to actually write the book that it eventually became. So check that out on Amazon. There's uh, links for that in the episode notes as well. And this episode is coming out on January 14th. The paperback should be available by this Friday or Saturday. So if you guys are interested in the paperback uh, version, definitely check that out. And um, if you purchase the paperback, right, just a, a little tip, you will and should be getting the ebook for free. So, for those of you unfamiliar with this portion of the podcast, this is where I pretty much read uh, some old free writing stuff that I've recently posted to the website and uh, either reflect on it or tell you guys how I feel now. And I uh, pretty much just, you know, share with you guys. So if you want to read along with any of this stuff, uh, go to spuntoday.com forward slash freewriting. Or again, check that out um, whenever you would like to. The poster that I'm going to read first is entitled, Which Will You Find Today? And it was posted on the website on January 11th, 2016. <clears throat> it was actually written on Thursday. July 11th, 2013 at 2.31 a.m. And uh, it's a pretty small piece. It says, take a stroll through your mind and embrace what you find. And what would that be exactly? A different state at that particular given time. There's peaks and valleys, a spectrum like with anything else, based on something you felt uh, hand you were dealt based on your reaction, your action or inaction, your take on a topic, your spin on a thought, an endless array of thoughts, an endless array of thoughts. An invincible, indestructible drive can share the same origins as the most debilitating fears and insecurities which will you find today so to me that's all about the power of our minds to find what it's looking for if you're in a negative fucked up mood you can find negative fucked up shit to to latch on to If you're in a good positive mood, you're going to find good positive stuff to latch on to. And the way you think and the way you feel kind of has outward effects on what you do and what you don't do. And how you proceed throughout your day and your weeks and months and years and eventually your life. Because it all piles up and adds up. And the most uh, striking line from that to me would be the last part which is an invincible indestructible drive which would be the positive end of the spectrum can share the same origins as the most debilitating fears and insecurities which will you find today or in other words as i would say now which would you choose to find today <clears throat> And again, that was written on Thursday, July 11th, 2013. The next piece I am going to read is called Be Deserving of a Perfect Moment. And I wrote that on Thursday, August 1st, 2013 at 1235 AM. And this was also posted on January 11th, 2016. It's pretty instant. As soon as the pen touches the paper... It seems to burst out. It all begins to flow. Thoughts of nothing become something, or maybe they stay nothing. Nonetheless, they come out almost as if to serve a purpose. Not really going, quote, where they've always belonged, unquote, or returning home, per se. But sort of like they're an important catalyst or precursor to something more something not yet in existence, but needing to be. Not in a grandiose type of way, but in a for me type of way. Whatever will be, will be. And whatever it is, will take practice. Practice makes perfect, and perfection requires work. So that when opportunity, preparation, and luck triangulate and cross paths, The moment can be guided and executed the way it deserves to be. Be deserving of a perfect moment. And that... I still agree with that. I still feel the same way in a lot of ways. Probably in all those ways. That... First off, it's like with writing specifically, the every time I write, I do feel like it's serving a purpose. Like I feel that it's either you know, if it's shit writing, which most of it is, as you guys know, <laughs> um, I feel like it's it's like working out a muscle. And that, you know, the more shit I write, the more the less shitty it becomes eventually. You know, in a very Abstract. Take a step back. You know, long-term goal type of type of view. Kind of like lifting weights. It's like a muscle that you're working, and you know, the more you lift, the you know, stronger and stronger you get, and the more defined you become. And I definitely feel that way, even when I'm not happy with something that I've written. And then there are times that I am happy with stuff that I've written, like the stuff that you guys can find in my book which is available at amazon.com or on my website at sponsor.com forward slash books check it out and if you're saying why did you call it books instead of book because you only have one book out that's kind of sort of to one i have to change it down the line when more books are on there but also to light a fire under my ass because i don't like that that imperfection that's that's there with the fact that it's a plural, but meanwhile, there's only one book available and blah, blah, blah. So, I want to get the next project out sooner than later. Put it that way. Um, but yeah, back to this. And it's always, always, always about you. It's always going to start with you and end with you. You're born alone. You die alone. You... And although you're gonna care and love and and experience many things with many different people in your life throughout your life, you should always be striving to be the better the best version of yourself for yourself and honing your craft and working on it or on your hobby or whatever it is that you're into is something that's yours. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to be as good as you can be and as perfect as you can be with it and within it. <clears throat> and lastly, uh, the last piece that I'm going to read was also posted on January 11, 2016, and it's called Stick to It. And I wrote this on Tuesday, September 3rd, 2013 at 1222 a.m., What I want to write about seems to be there, waiting eagerly to be written about, through the bushes in the distance. It's there. I know it. I don't see it, in the literal sense, but I feel it, in the unquantifiable sense. It's there, like the anticipation and excitement of a kid on Christmas morning, percolating. I feel like I'm slowly but surely Getting through the shrubbery The obstacles seem to be fading Albeit at a very sluggish pace Step by step Slow and steady wins the race <clears throat> And that kind of plays into the whole Like in that last piece That Let me see how far apart they were in When it was in August 1st, 2013 The other one over a month later September 3rd, 2013 we're kind of sort of like in the same mind state. Um, well, as far as like the first couple sentences go and be deserving of a perfect moment. I write that as soon as the pen touches the paper, it seems to like burst out and it all begins to flow and in stick to it. I write how it's kind of like all there, like close to the surface and wanting it to come out and you can't like literally see it, but it's like a, a feeling that I get. And when the pen touches the paper, like I said, the previous one, it all just begins to flow and comes out, which is exactly how I feel when I, when I free write most of the time. It's like what they say, like w- or how you see Ouija boards are like on fucking in movies and stuff and stuff is just like coming out and being written and you're like, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> and, um, it literally, it just like flows out of you and it's like from your subconscious or who knows, but it's a pretty dope feeling and an empowering feeling at the same time. Cause it, like that last piece, <clears throat> the last uh, couple sentences there where it says, the obstacles seem to be fading, albeit at a very sluggish pace. Um, step by step, slow and steady wins the race. So it's having that that gumption to stick with it or stick to it, like the title says, and having that foresight to see the the long game. And stick to it. But yeah, that's it for my stuff, guys. Let me read for you three separate pieces to wrap up the show from Zen Flesh, Zen Bones, which is, for those of you that don't know already, a collection of Zen and pre Zen writings and is compiled by Paul Reps and Neogen Senzaki. The pieces I'm going to read are number 63, number 75, and number 76. 63 is titled Killing. Ghassan instructed his adherents one day. Those who speak against killing and who desire to spare the lives of all conscious beings are right. It is good to protect even animals and insects. But what about those persons who kill, them, who kill time? What about those who are destroying wealth? And those who destroy political economy? We should not overlook them. Furthermore, what of the one who preaches without enlightenment? He is killing Buddhism. That would be me, guys. I'm killing Buddhism. <laughs> no, um that's pretty dope, though. Not to... We can get over... over Overzealous, I guess, like some people. About... You know... You know, being vegan and... Vegetarian and not hunting and not killing and not... And being into this and being into that and picking teams and, and stuff like that. Um... And kinda of sort of like turn the other cheek when with other people that are that are just like lazy pieces of shit, which would be like killing time or destroying wealth, like those of you that may take part in in mm-hmm. winning your piece of the one point five billion dollar fucking powerball and you know within what's the statistic I think within Six months, 50% of people that win the lottery go broke and within a year, 77% of them or some shit like that. Don't be one of those fucking fools. And those who destroy political economy. All about the shit that we were speaking about early in the episode uh, with lobbyists and special interests and stuff like that. That's all killing political economy. What are we doing about that? That kind of stuff. Big picture type of shit. So that was a pretty cool piece. Whatever, that's what I got from it. Number 75, temper. I have a bad temper sometimes, which is not good. Uh, A Zen student came to Banky and complained. Master, I have ungovernable temper. I have an ungovernable temper. How can I cure it? You have something very strange, replied Banky. Let me see what you have. Just now, I cannot show it to you, replied the other. When can you show it to me, asked Banky. It arises unexpectedly, replied the student. Then, concluded Banky, it must not be your own, true nature. If it were, you could show it to me at any time. When you were born, you did not have it, and your parents did not give it to you. Think that over. Which is true. If you don't have a temper 24-7, it's something that, obviously, you could control. It's not like a fucking Tourette's tick or something like that. So meditate and try to get rid of that type of stuff in your life. Uh, Number 76, last but not least, is The Stone Mind. Hogan, a Chinese Zen teacher, lived alone in a small temple in the country. One day, four traveling monks appeared and asked if they might make a fire in his yard to warm themselves. While they were building the fire, Hogan heard them arguing about subjectivity and objectivity. He joined them and said, There is a big stone. Do you consider it to be inside or outside your mind? One of the monks replied, From the Buddhist viewpoint, everything is in objective. Of the mind. So I would say that the stone is inside my mind. Your head must feel very heavy, observed Hogan, if you are carrying around the stone like that in your mind. Let go of shit, folks. Don't carry shit with you. And that is it. That is the episode. That is episode number 38 of the Spun Today podcast, guys. Thank you very much for listening to this and all episodes of the spun today podcast i really appreciate it check out my book uh, like i told you guys before at spuntodaycom forward slash books uh the ebook is available on amazon and the paperback will also be available on amazon very soon hit me up and let me know what you guys think of this episode and any other episodes at spuntoday@gmail.com. at gmail.com if you want to reach out to me via email directly And you guys know that you can also uh, reach out to me through my website at sponsored.com forward slash contact. And at the website, you can see a bunch of other stuff like some more free writing stuff, some short stories that I've written, uh, affiliate links to do all your shopping on Amazon and on iTunes to support the podcast um, by clicking through my little uh, portals there, uh, which will not cost you anything at all extra so check that out to support the podcast you can check out some of my photography which is also located at sponsor.com forward slash photography and if you guys you don't like any of the pictures feel free to download them for free from there and if you guys want to actually purchase prints of any of that photography you can do so through a website called created and the link is created c-r-a-t-e-d.com forward slash sponsor.com and in all My photography that's available on my website can also be purchased on, you know, different size posters and picture frames and stuff like that uh, through that link, through that website. Links for that are also in the episode notes. But by far the most important thing that you guys can do to support me in the podcast is rate and review the podcast on iTunes and or Stitcher. And check out the YouTube page. Like and comment on there as well. Subscribe. Thank you very much, guys. Again, I appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. And follow me on Twitter. Hit me up on Instagram at Spun Today on both. And like the Facebook fan page, facebook.com forward slash Spun Today. As always, substitute the mysticism with hard work. And start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening.